Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Lisa Slagle from Wheelie Creative, and this week on Outside by Design, I am talking to Abby Cooper. She's a professional photographer, writer, media strategist, and athlete supported by Arcteryx, Smith, Karakorum, and G3. I met Abby when she was contracted to teach our very, very first Wheelhouse Workshop event. She was the one of the contracted photographers uh, for the Snowbird Workshop to help get more cameras in the hands of women in action sports photography. And Abby is just a very, very charismatic human being. And um, she lives her life really mindfully with a ton of energy and positive vibes. I love talking to Abby. And I think that comes through in our conversation. She is a creative powerhouse and just all around good person. So I think there's a lot of takeaways about work-life balance and fusing your passion with your profession. And please enjoy. Hey, Abby, thanks for being here. Um, where, Where are you recording from today? Tell us what you're doing. I actually just got to my house in Whistler. I'm finally here. It's been a crazy winter. I've been gone. Actually, let me rephrase that. I've only been home for like a week each month since maybe October or November. I've been traveling so much that I'm finally in Whistler. I'm here for a month and I'm so pumped because my backyard's beautiful. So I'm actually at home just doing all that life stuff now that I'm here, you know, playing catch up. That is so awesome. The last time I saw you was in Salt Lake City um, for our photography workshop. Where else have you been since Salt Lake City in March? Yeah. Okay. So actually, after I saw you, after I kind of waved goodbye and was dropped off at the airport, I flew to Vancouver, uh, BC, not Washington, where my truck was parked and I completely switched gears. I kept all my camera gear packed, but I repacked all my other bags because I was doing resort photography and snowboarding when I was with you. And I swapped it out for my backcountry gear in the park and fly parking lot, took myself back to the airport on the shuttle. And then I flew to Northern BC uh, where I hung out for uh, maybe like 10 days or two weeks or something like that. And then also did a little road trip up to Alaska and then back. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like a touchdown turnaround situation, which was fun. There's been a few of those. But yeah, I went there. I've been back to interior BC since then, like out towards the Rockies. And I'm trying to think. Oh, I just went to New York. That was pretty fun. I haven't been there before. What do you think? A friend described it to me so well before I went. He's like, being in New York is the closest that you'll feel to being in the mountains in a big city, which just sounds so weird, right? And I was like, oh, okay, why? why? Where is this coming from? This doesn't make any sense. He's like, because you'll just feel completely ar- alone, surrounded by stone, which is concrete. And I was like, that's so well put, because even though there's people everywhere, you kind of feel alone, which 
is really interesting. I often seek out the mountains to find, you know, peace and clarity. And I like to work out there and life's just simple out there. Right. Um, but it's kind of cool to see all these people achieve that similar mindset, despite being surrounded by chaos and thousands, millions of other people all the time. So kind of like a little self-experiment, really. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Have you been before? I have. Um, what do you think? I think you have to be like in the mindset of New York City and then it's awesome, you know, to know that you're just kind of shuffling along and and you're there for the ride. But yeah, if you're expecting like a normal um, like interaction with humanity, like living where I live in Montana, it's so different. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) It is a unique experience for sure. I'm, I'm really glad that all those people that live in New York do it though, because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I'm really stoked that they're doing it because, you know, they take care of finance and international business and a lot of things that I really need and value. But I also I don't want to do their job. So thank you. (laughs) Good mindset. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So for the audience that, you know, may not know who you are, can you just give us a bio or a highlight reel and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing with life and just, yeah, who you are? All right. Okay. I'm going to make this not a ramble. That's my goal. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'm a photographer. I've been doing that for 10 years now. And I started doing some writing about six years ago. Actually, my bachelor's in photography and then a minor in advertising. But when I was going to school, I was just like, I can't handle writing. That is just way too boring. I want to tell my story with photos. I don't want to tell it with words. And turns out I actually really like both. So that was a fun realization. So now I'm doing both of those things uh, and bringing in the strategy side as well for some brands. And it's all freelance work. So I'm kind of bopping around from mountain town to mountain town. Yeah, working with brands, publications, athletes, all that good stuff. I am very passionate about the outdoors. So I do a lot of volunteering to share my passion because I just, I don't know, it just makes me so happy. I just want to share it with everybody. So I do some speaking events on behalf of Avalanche Canada. I also a mountain mentor, which is a program that we have up here in like the Whistler, Vancouver region, which helps girls build confidence, get into the outdoors. And similar to that, um, but on a much inter- or an international scale, I guess, is the She Jumps program. So I also do some volunteering with them, mostly in a photographer capacity. And then I develop some splitboarding, social classes, clinics, workshops, speaking events, all that kind of stuff under the name of Split Social here in the Whistler area. And hopefully I will expand that over the next little bit because it's been really cool to kind of just unify that community. So basically everything I do is very intertwined. It all has that creative component, visual exploration, keeps me in the mountains and keeps me sharing it with people. So it's really hard to distinguish what is uh, what's work and what's play. Most of my life is both, which I enjoy the gray zone. That's kind of where I live. The gray zone. The gray zone. That's awesome. Uh, what? Tell me more about Split Social. I've never heard of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I kind of came up with this idea when I was, when I felt like I finally got my feet under myself splitboarding, actually, when I finally kind of got confidence and was getting out there, starting to push myself. And I had one of those moments on the skin track where you reflect on life, you know, if you're, if you're past the point of like, kind of hating blisters or something like that, you get into the sweet mindset where you're just reflecting and thinking about the future. And I was in one of those sweet spot zones. And 
I was like, how did I even get here? What was my journey? And I started thinking about the first time that I went splitboarding and it was hilarious. I know that you splitboard too, Lisa. And I don't know if you can relate, but like the first time I put on a splitboard, it was like putting on banana peels or something. Like they were just, I was slipping all over the place. I didn't know what angles to go up things. I thought I was invincible. And then I thought I couldn't go up anything. And just kind of this like crazy whirlwind of working with new gear that I had no idea how, but yet I had the confidence to go downhill. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Was your first time splitboarding kind of a hot mess as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, so I was like, you know, it, it was luckily I had some patient friends that just kind of helped me through it. And I actually when I, I was living in Montana, when I first started splitboarding in Whitefish, or just north of Whitefish, I had a friend that was a big cross country skier. And I used to go splitboarding when she would go cross country <laughs> skiing, which was like, all cardio. I know it sounds awful, but she was so lovely. And it really helped me build my confidence just to have some time, you know, clocked on on my splitboard. And I was like, you know, it's it's very exciting to see people splitboarding. It's also really exciting to see so many people getting in the backcountry and getting after it. But just I have a lot of avalanche training and just through volunteer positions and things like that. I've seen a lot of things go sideways, unfortunately, in the backcountry. And I also have the strong desire to make sure that everyone is educated properly, whether it is selfish reasons so that I trust the people I see in the backcountry or just the community as a whole. I don't know. I I think it comes from a good place, but maybe I'm just really selfish. I want everyone to be safe. And I was like, oh, let's do them both. So I, I came up with this idea, like, let's do a specific AST um, avalanche safety training. That's what we abbreviate it as in Canada. I think it's airy in the States, right? Yep. Um, let's have a specific class. That is just for split borders. I've got lots of friends with skiers, so no offense to skiers, but let's do just split borders. And in this class, not only will we learn avalanche safety, but like it's probably the first time a lot of these people have put on a split board. So let's teach them how to transition properly. Let's teach them how to do it efficiently, how to move, all those little tips that literally just take, you know, half an hour to kind of go over and it changes your world when someone tells you how to do something more efficiently on a split board. Um, so that was sort of, yeah, the starting ground and I helped develop a couple courses here in Whistler for that. And yeah, a lot of, uh, guiding programs have actually adapted them, which is, yeah, it's really sweet to see. And then some social events for split borders, whether it's just, um, photographers giving a slideshow or trip recaps or where to go specifically in that area. But yeah, I've been doing that for three or four years now, a couple events a season. That's cool. Yeah, random, (laughs) but it's fun. Is that, are you doing that pretty much exclusively in Canada for now? Um, Mostly actually in the Whistler area. I will be at Splitfest in Revelstoke this year doing some type of talk about splitboarding. Um, And with Avalanche Canada, I'm not exactly sure what that will look like, but yeah, mostly around here. Um, That's awesome. And with that, let's kick it off to a commercial break. Do you ever feel like marketing is a gross word and a gross thing and just scummy and like you need to take a shower after you talk about marketing? You should check out wheeliecreative.com. Not only are they some of the most fun people to work with in the entire industry, their work is super good, they get results for their clients, and they understand the nuances of the outdoor industry. They're avid outdoors people. And so the crew at Wheelie Creative is able to position your brand for success in a way that is authentic, kind, fun, 
and in line with your company's values. WheelieCreative.com, check them out. But wait, you're thinking, Lisa, isn't that your company? Yes, it is. I'm a little bit biased because I do own Wheelie Creative, but you know what? I'm paying my employees to edit this podcast right now, so you get to listen to a commercial about it. So you are a master at blending your work and your life and your lifestyle with the things that make you happy, like capturing content. So, um, you know, what, did that just always work out for you like that? Or is there something that like magically clicked in your head one day that you could do what you loved for a living or how did that go for you? Yeah, good question. I think everyone's got a unique story for how they ended up kind of in this industry, right? Because it's it's not the path of least resistance, that's for sure. Um, my Okay, so I got into university and I was pretty set on either doing uh, geology or architecture because both architecture, you get to create stuff. Geology is ideally studying rocks, being in the mountains. And those were kind of my two choices. And I think it was right before I went to university, my dad actually said to me, well, why don't you study photography? They have a photography program at your school. And I had won a few local contests in Calgary with my photos at that time. I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, and I kind of like snickered on the inside. I was like, that's not a real job. You can't be like a photographer that just plays in the mountains all the time. And my dad was like, yeah, if you really wanted to be, you can make it a job. And my dad is an entrepreneur. He owns a bunch of different construction businesses in Calgary. And I've like kind of seen him start from working from other people to being successful at where he's at now. And that really inspired me. And I think just a bit of uh, stubbornness and just the right person believing in me helped me, you know, kind of get to where I am. So and that's a very brief version. <laughs> but he, yeah, he believed in me. And, and from there, I started working when I was in university as a photographer and seeking out clients. I went um, to university in the States and I started working with Grand Targhee doing some photo shoots for events and things like that. And when I'd come home to Calgary in the summers, I would then start working with ski resorts up here, networking. And I don't know, I kind of just watched how the how the guys that were in the industry at the time networked and got to where they were. And I was like, okay, so it's very bro and I need to be friends with these people, but I also have to do quality work. And I don't know, I was just always kind of trying to pick up on the pieces <laughs> and figure out how everyone else was doing it. And then you get to a certain point where you're like, oh, no one really knows what they're doing. They just kind of know what they're good at and that this industry collects awesome human beings. So they're friends. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's where I'm at now. I don't know. How would you describe the outdoor industry? It's a, It's quirky, but it's the best. Yeah, and it's very, very passion-driven, so there's a lot of different opinions, and then opinions lead to attitudes, and um, I kind of like all the polarization and all the, um, I don't know, like, I love how all the snowboarders wear their little black beanies, and, like, (laughs) I love how you can, like, identify, like, that person is identifying with that culture, Um, and then I love the outliers, too, that, that are still ripping around on snowboards and just totally unique to themselves. Yeah, agreed. Well said. I don't know if anyone's asked you on the podcast, though. How did you get to where you are? 
Well, you'll you'll actually like this. This is a weird fun fact I don't talk about much is I started when I went to college, I was studying photography and I was almost completely through my degree. And then my my camera got stolen at a party. No. And I didn't have enough money at that time because I was like 19 or 20. I didn't have any money to replace it. And so I still had a laptop. So I was like, oh, I guess I can switch to graphic design and still get a degree. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so um, that's how I ended up with a graphic design degree. Wow. Well, you kind of ended up with like a two for one because I've seen your photos and they're amazing. And I've seen your graphic design work and it's also great. So yeah. Yeah. maybe, you know, as horrible as that was, or probably was at the time to have your camera stolen as a student and be like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just change my whole life now. Thanks, random person that stole my camera. But look at you now, and I have way more pieces to the puzzle, right? It kind of worked right, out. Yeah, it worked out. But yeah, so that that was uh, that was how. And then I was just snowboard. I moved across the Butte, and I was snowboarding all day, and I was working at night and doing graphic design and grew a business that way. But it really was all about snowboarding for me. Nice. Yeah, definitely a priority. Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, one thing I really admire about the career and life that you've built for yourself is you are always having fun, but you have a tremendously good work ethic. Thank you. That is a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think that that translates so well into the way that you are, you know, this content creator, but also on the athlete ambassador side, like it takes so such a good work ethic and so much physical strength to get into these locations. Um, what do you like, what do you think of that? Do you attribute that to you just liking a bit of hard work? <laughs> Um, yeah, I might be known as, you know, a sucker for type two fun, as they call it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I do. I do like it. I I don't know exactly where to comment on the, um, like, athlete and ambassador side of it. But I, I think it's complimentary, right? Because in the sense, I might not be skiing the gnarliest lines that, of, you know, the athletes that I'm taking photos of are skiing. But it does take definitely some discipline and training experience to get to those places and with that being said it seems as though hybrid is just it's such a trendy like it's a buzzword everyone wants to be a hybrid of something right because I don't know if it's for job security or just means you have more skills or whatever it might be but you're ambassador and something else you're a hybrid or you're a writer and a photographer so you're a hybrid and I think that what I do just being out there with all these athletes, I look like a hybrid because I'm usually there with another media person, right? I'm usually there with a, a maybe a second shooter or a videographer or everyone's got GoPros and good quality phones these days. So there's just there's so much content that comes out. And I guess it's been a cool piece to see come to life because I feel like my story from behind the lens is kind of being told now. Just because of that, I, I get captured too sometimes, right? There's other people around and that's kind of led to me receiving more spotlight than I think I would normally ever seek out as just an individual, but it's been really fun. And it also means that when I'm really cool, pla I'm in really cool places, I can be like, ah, I'm going to save that line for myself. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's pretty fun. I enjoy, I enjoy being a hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> What's uh what's the I guess most um like difficult like earliest morning like most difficult adventure that you've had to go on for photography or for work? Mm. 
honestly, I've probably already forgotten the hard parts about it. I'm amazing at forgetting the hard parts. <laughs> we are as humans though, right? What's that? There's like an endorphin that helps you forget the bad times and only remember the good parts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember what it's called, but I think I have a lot of that because I, uh, I wipe that out a lot. But you know what is my weakness is I get black toes really easily. And it actually turns into such a big mental game of just the pain. Why do toes hurt so much? They're so small. I I can't understand. But those are probably some of my worst worst days are just when I have black toes slamming in boots all day. And you're like, okay, great. Just another 30 kilometers to go here. No big deal. My backpack, 70 pounds. You, know, you really got to find that sweet spot um, mentally to get through it. But I don't know, I'm kind of drawing a blank on on the hardest day ever. It's not unheard of to, let's see, have, you know, like a 3 or 4 a.m. start with a really heavy backpack and maybe fall through a creek or something. I don't know. <laughs> I've lost crampons on really slippery icy slopes before and that really, really sucked because then you're just down to one crampon and maybe an ice axe or something. And that's sketchy, but yeah, and just limping along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those aren't those are definitely not fond memories. But you know, I learned that I could do it, which is cool. I'm still here. <laughs> you're one of the uh, you're one of the people that you, like you go have a miserable day, but you're doing it for fun, and then and then like you get back to the truck and you're like, oh, that was so awesome, and just immediately forget all the difficult parts. Totally. Yeah. On the truck ride back, you're like, whoa, when should we do that again? And for the first like five hours, you're like, why am I even doing this? La or two summers ago, I usually snowboard all year long, whether it's for personal or for a work assignment or something. I, I do love it. You've pinpointed me for sure. Um, <laughs> and really cool place up here. It's called Cirque Lake. And to get there, you have to drive. I think it's like eight maybe more, maybe 10K of Forest Service Road. And then, sorry, kilometers, not, I don't, does K make sense? 5K, yeah. 10K? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Driveway is on a Forest Service Road. And then you have to get in a canoe or a paddleboard or something. We took canoes and kayaks just because we had skis with us. This was in August and it was like 35 degrees. So it's probably like high 90s, early 100s. Um, you guys in the states and mm -hmm. it is so hot and then it's a scramble you canoe across this massive massive lake while you're here and then you scramble up this mountain and you climb over the saddle and there's like little ropes on the trail to like pull yourself up it's kind of a goat path it's not used very often and then we get up there and and scramble up to like another peak and ski down and it was the best day ever but man on the way up in the heat and those rocks just reflecting on you and heavy pack I was like oh I could just be a normal person I could be at the lake right now with my friends yeah. maybe laying on a floaty or something <laughs> what am I doing <laughs> but then we went snowboarding in August and we had some we got some cool photos and I was able to bring my dog and yeah you know I don't know it's a story right I don't remember that one time when I was floating on the lake with my friends like you know you do that a bunch of times in the summer and yeah I, you don't really remember those those are kind of just another nice day but I, I like the memories of those quirky adventures 
That's hilarious. I like that too. Yeah? Do you have any plan this summer? Well, yesterday I fell in a creek at the oh. very beginning of our day. And then no. biking. And like I slipped. I say creek. It was like a river. I slipped and I landed. Like I went over, landed on my back. So literally everything I was wearing was soaked. Oh, no. And then, you know, that's a, that's like the start of the day. And then it just got more miserable from there. Oh, no. Yeah. And then I crashed on the way down and I have this huge chunk of skin missing out of my thigh today. And, oh you know, but I was like, oh, that was a really good day. Like, oh, that was nice. Um, it's kind of just like, why? <laughs> oh, you get it then. You totally get it. I think yeah. a lot of us do in this industry, right? Because yeah. Yeah. What well, I mean, that's why we work in the industry. If we only wanted to vacation in this industry, we would just, you know, have an have a normal job and then just do the stuff on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> we like to suffer, so we do it 24/7. <laughs> And now time for another commercial break. Are you a woman with a camera who wants to up her photography skills in the outdoor industry? Sign up for a workshop at wheelhouseworkshops.com. These are creative action sports workshops designed for women by women. There aren't very many women in action sports photography. So these workshops are created with the intent of helping elevate women in the creative outdoor action sports space. What that means is one day of on snow, shooting professional female athletes and learning from the best lady photographers in the business, followed by a day of post-production and an art show showing your best work. It's super fun, it's awesome. The next one is going to be in Jackson Hole. Stay tuned, you can sign up for more information and to get notified about the next event at wheelhouseworkshops.com. So what uh, what kind of writing projects do you like to do? Uh, this has been a work in progress to figure that out exactly. I like a variety of them, but I'm finding that I really like to tell a story. That sounds a little redundant, doesn't it? I, I guess in the scale of writing is that brand copy is not my first choice of writing. I really like when I can share an experience that I've either learn something from, or even if it's not my own experience per se, um, someone that I've interviewed or met along the way and kind of talk about how they got there. Kind of, I don't know. Anyone that's made a difference, I want to tell their story or anytime when I've had a big self-realization of maybe I shouldn't do this or maybe I need more of that, you know, those aha moments, whether mine or someone else's, I guess is how sum that up. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't a beautiful answer to that question. <laughs> I was kind of working through that as I talked it out loud. Well, you have a, you know, a very genuine way of teaching and giving back and, you know, elevating others. So what, like, what would you say is some advice you would give to somebody who wants to get into the creative side of the outdoor industry, whether it's writing or photography, what, like, what would you tell somebody? I would say that the creativity process starts in making the career happen, <laughs> if that makes any kind of sense. There's no, you know, if you're, if you're working in a very corporate world, it's, you can kind of move up the ladders, you know, the common saying that you hear, right? You start entry level, mid-level, work on some resume building classes or components, and then apply for the next level. And our industry doesn't really work like that. And especially if you're kind of wanting to get, or 
you know, freelance life in general, there's no written book on it. I think it is, I think it's a lot about finding mentors and mentors, not in someone, not someone that you see. And it's like, I want to be them. I want to do what they're doing because then they probably don't really want to mentor you, to be honest. They don't want to give their job Mm -hmm. away, right? But Mm -hmm. I think a great way to do it is, you know, I really admire, you know, kind of weighing out your strengths and weaknesses and being like, you know, I really admire how that person handles themselves when it comes to business, even if they're a real estate agent or, you, you know, something completely unrelated to the outdoor industry. And then maybe someone has a really beautiful photography style and you'd love to learn more about their process and and take it to a different industry or add a twist on it. And that's what I mean, getting creative. It's like, where do you want to go? And how can you reach out, build your own network to get you there? Because I know that especially you own an agency, right? You hire a lot of different contractors and creatives. And everyone needs to stand out, right? As soon as like, a couple people are kind of the same. It's like, well, why do you choose one over the other? It gets hard to choose. And so I think you have to remember to be creative with your own personal brand and identity and bringing in key components that, you know, working on what you're not strong at, um, really developing those skills and seeking out opportunities to make them stronger and then recognizing your skills on the flip side of that, right? And kind of playing off of those and, and showcasing them. Yeah. What about you? You hire these people. What do you, what do you think? What sets them, what sets people like me compared to other photographers and writers apart to you? What do you look for? Um, I look for dependability, um, positively, the number one dependability, um, you know, because I have to, as well as a brand when they hire a freelancer, um, or they hire an agency is like, they're trusting you to get it done. So then if we have to contract out certain photographers or something, then, um, obviously I need somebody who's dependable and then just somebody who um, has a strong portfolio and kind of like stands for something. So I can be like, oh, if I want really, really strong interior shots that are kind of editorial, I know I can hire this photographer. Or if I want really beautiful landscapes, I know I can hire this photographer and just kind of like being being versatile, but also kind of standing for something as well. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's where that that personal brand comes in right knowing what you excel at and yeah what you stand for yeah it is uh it's interesting how sometimes like uh creatives get a bad rap like oh well that person's creative like automatically they're not going to be dependable like all the bad stereotypes that go along with like creatives like it's a tattoo parlor or something Mm -hmm. and uh and and so I think that it would, to really, really make it in the industry, you have to be the complete opposite of that stereotype and be a little bit type A, even though like if you're going to be a photographer and go with the flow and capture things that are happening naturally, um, you still have to be really driven and meticulous and committed. So totally. Yeah. It's, but still fun. I think mm-hmm. it's like the best career you could have. I agree. I'm a little biased, but I have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then just, you know, like having clarity on where you want to be as a human being. And uh, I always try to give myself three-year goals because five-year goals seem too hard, too daunting. Yeah. So I like to, yeah, <laughs> I do three-year three year goals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a really good point. I've, I don't know what it was growing up. A 
the word goals was just like so ugly. I hated it when you know you're in school and maybe your teacher would be like, okay, what kind of goals do you want to work on? And you'd be like, what? I don't want to do that. That's like a laundry list of like chores or something. I don't know. But now I'm addicted to making goals. They're so much fun and so exciting, especially if they are like, you know, a yearly or even like six months, three years. Yeah, it's so fun. It's kind of reminded me to experiment, you know? In life, we kind of choose a career path and we just keep rolling with it. It's like we took one big chance this one time in a career that we wanted to pursue and then that's it. We just stick with it. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's still so much personal growth to be had and so many experiments to do and industries to try. And I think that's a huge part of it. So I've been trying to shape some of just my my personal goals on trying new things, whether that's like a new sport or visit, like traveling to a new place or maybe a new uh, business avenue to see if it's complementary to what I have going on. But it's, you know, it's fun. And without those little sub goals, I guess, like those smaller term goals, you kind of forget about it because you're right. Big goals are super daunting, right? Like five years, it seems like you don't have to do anything. It's like when people apply for mortgages, they can't afford, right? They're like, oh, what's 30 years away from now? I don't even, that's not even a real number. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same thing. If I set a five-year goal, I'm like, oh, it's not even a real number. I'll get to that in like two more years. I'm busy living right now. But those little ones hold you accountable for constant change, which is, I think that's where you keep developing yourself, you know, is kind of that constant change. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what would you like to share one of your goals or something you're kind of toying with right now? Um, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I have a couple actually. What do I want to share? Um, okay, I'll just give a tiny bit of insight to to what I have on my plate for the next uh, six months, I guess. Some three personal kind of goals that I'm working on. So um, my boyfriend bought a boat that will go like it's the center console, like 19 feet long boat, and it's good to go in the ocean, like deep haul. And so we're going to do some exploring out here along the Sunshine Coast. And so I'm really excited for that, but I don't know anything about the ocean. And so I can navigate in like a lighthouse in the mountains and the alpine, but put me in the ocean and I'm like, I don't, where's land? I don't know. Um, and so I, I'm kind of figuring out what are the right steps? What kind of classes do I need to take first for when we venture out like past the coastline? Maybe you want to do a crossing um, to some of the islands that are further off the coast of BC. And I want to be useful. I like being an equal part in adventures. It, it really bugs me if it, things are kind of out of my control and I don't know why decisions are being made. But, you know, it just, it kind of sucks when you can't be included in that process. Not that he doesn't include me. I'm just <laughs> saying that as a blanket statement. But I want to bring something to the table. So I'm kind of working on um, water navigation courses, something I have going on. Um, wow. I'm thinking about, again, thinking about maybe being able to teach avalanche safety courses. So getting certified to be able to teach that as well. I feel like it's really complementary to my more personal projects with Split Social and speaking on behalf of Avalanche Canada and things like that to also be able to, um, yeah, show people the ropes personally and, and teach them their courses. And then the last one is m more of a work focus. And I produce all the time, um, like a service, right? Photography and writing is, even though it's creative, and you turn over finished work, it's still a, a service. It's not so much tangible. And so I'm kind of toying with the thought of maybe producing something more physical. And I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but 
even if it's just a bit of an experiment, I'm I'm curious to see what it like what it's like to, you know, create something with my hands and and sell that and uh, see how it goes. Really? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, an experiment. Maybe I'll make like 10 and I'll just, uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet because that's still kind of a work, a work in progress. But um, yeah, maybe I make 10 and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really like this at all. Or maybe I love it and it's, and it's something that I kind of keep on the side. But yeah, I'm going to try it. That is really awesome. <laughs> so that's what I have going on. What do you have going on? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um. So I am active. So because, um, you know, I own an agency. So what started as me doing a lot of the creative work is now me managing the creative work or me not even working on creative work. And now I do a lot of finances and like CEO kind of stuff. So, um, you know, just to make sure my soul is happy, I'm working on doing a lot of my own personal artwork. Oh, what kind of artwork? And then I want to have a show. Um, I love paint. Yeah. I, and I've never had a show before because it's like fine art and not, not commercial work. But um, I want to do a lot of painting this year because um, I love painting. And then I want to just do a lot of photography for myself and my friends and not uh, work related at all. So I'm working on building creativity as a lifestyle back into my personal life, which is pretty fun. Yes. Oh, that sounds so cool. Okay. What, what are you painting on? What medium are you painting on? Oh, I love to paint on found objects. And so, um, cause you can slap a coat of gesso on anything and it becomes archivally stable. Yeah. So I like to paint on skateboard decks or like old, old snowboard decks. I have a little shed full of like old snowboard decks that I'm working on. Oh my goodness. When you run out, let me know. I've got some for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I just love, you know, um, I love really hard surfaces, like, uh, like old crappy wood, like skateboards and snowboards. And, um, I don't like really soft canvases. So, yeah. Cool. Um, I look forward to seeing it. You have to, uh, well, I mean, if you're down, I'd love to see some progress on, on the channels and stuff. I love keeping up to date on those things. Yeah. So that's a big one, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to, any projects you're stoked on right now or any um, upcoming projects that that you're into or brands that are doing cool things? Oh man. So many. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Where do I take that question? I could take it anywhere. Uh, Okay. Let me keep it simple. What am I most excited about? Currently, I'm just I'm most excited to be in Whistler. I don't, I don't know if you're super familiar with Whistler, but it's not necessarily the most easy place to live. Um, just as far as like accommodation and travel and and things like that, but it has the raddest backyard and a really cool community. And I'm so pumped to finally be here for a while and kind of connect with all the reasons why I moved out here in the first place. So. That's currently, but then as far as work goes, I have been doing so much work on assignment lately where I, you know, I'm kind of working with a brand or a publication or something and being like, okay, you need this, I need this, we should go here, this is where the snow is or whatever it might be that we're looking for and kind of this, before you go, it's kind of like a package deal of, of what's coming out of it um, and you made the whole process together. And so I've done a lot of that and I, I love it, but I, I kind of want to try keeping it a little bit more loose. So I've decided that in the fall, 
I am going to go to Nepal and I'm, I'm going to shoot a ton and maybe I'm going to work with some brands and take some product over there and shoot some catalog style stuff, but keep it just a little bit, a little bit looser and feel a little bit more inspired, take some more time to develop the photos instead of sort of racing a tight timeline to complete a shoot and then move on to the next thing. So I don't know, maybe like a, I guess like a photography vacation almost is kind of what I'm excited for just to let the photos organically take shape. I don't, I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. It sounds really, really wonderful and magical. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So just a a different way of kind of producing the same thing, but going into it with a little bit different mindset. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm excited for. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and you're just a magical person. So (laughs) back at you. I'm so excited for, um, for hopefully to hear about some more workshops from you guys in the future. Cause I had so much fun at the last one and yeah, maybe we'll work together again soon. Cause I had a great time. Well, both times, I guess we did that other project right after we first met each other. We had a, a quick little like collab on a on a photo shoot for a client of yours and that was pretty fun too so yeah but I can't wait to see your art as it develops and yeah thanks so much for sharing what you're excited about too it's kind of stoked my fire to hear that you're gonna make something tangible too as a self you know a personal project personal yeah Mm -hmm. exactly you can follow Abby on Instagram she's at Abby Dells uh, that's where you can mostly find her. She's a pretty solid grammar. Her stories are amazing. It looks like she's always having fun in the Canadian backcountry. And uh, give her a follow. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're curious what we're going to be putting out next Thursday, it is our conversation with Jeanette Sherman. She is the marketing manager for Yeti Cycles. And Jeanette is awesome and hilarious and smart. So tune in next week and here's a preview. I don't come, you know, I don't come in every day to my job and thinking like, how am I going to progress women's cycling? Um, which, you know, like there are times, there are certain days where, yeah, I do think that, but most days that I come in here, it's like, how am I going to further the brand? How am I going to, um, make, you know, cycling and mountain biking approachable, you know, for everybody? How am I going to be the best at what I do? Um, and then luckily I think that I, because of that, I can then bring, you know, hopefully women into the sport and be a role model in that regard.